The Plumley Pod, episode 66. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. And welcome to The Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley, And today's special guest is co-author of The TV Delusion, Simon Day. And I'm laughing. Why am I laughing? Because it's episode 66 and we're talking about 9-11. And I'm really hoping this doesn't go out on the 6th of 6th or something. That would be really terrible, wouldn't it? I will try to make sure that does not happen. So for all of you conspiracists out there, it's just coincidentally episode 66. There had to be one. There had to be one. Like there was an episode 33. Uh, anyway, to back me up on this, I brought in Mr. Simon Day. Simon, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, and thank you for having me back again. Absolutely thrilled to be back on your show again. Think is it the fifth time now? I think it is. I, wow. I had a little sneaky look before we came on just to check what we'd already covered, and uh, yeah, this is number five, backed by popular demand. I have to say, but I, I'm not going to lie. I did deliberately book you in for the 66th one because I didn't want to get abuse on my own. I prefer it to 33. Me too. Yeah, me too. So it's a, uh, which one am I looking forward to? Well, well, we won't have to worry about it. It's a, it's a hundred away, but three, two, two, I'm not looking forward to that. Maybe we'll have to get you back again. Also a bad one. Yep. It's a bit of a dodgy number, isn't it? So I thought I'd get you in so we can repel this nonsense in, in a two. I, I felt better it being you rather than somebody I'd not worked with before in case it turns out to be bad later. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about this morning is And I genuinely don't understand this, actually, in some respects. I have an idea as to why it might be the case, but I'm not sure that I know. Why on earth are we still talking about 9-11 after almost a quarter of a century? What's going on here? Well, it's a a good question, and there's no direct simple answer to it, I don't think. But for me, the main point here is that we are living in the middle of a psychological war, and we don't really realise it because... It's going on all around us and it's been going on since we were born and will carry on going on after we die. And 9-11 is just one skirmish within that grand tapestry of the psychological war that's going on. And we may think it's a big skirmish and maybe it is and maybe all guns were blazing on, on that day, metaphorically speaking. But in reality, there's a few patterns that are used and they're used repeatedly and they were used like mad on 9-11 but they're all definitely used. And once you see the pattern, of course, as, we, as we've said over and over again in the last, once you've seen the template, once you've seen the pattern, then you can use that knowledge or ability to work out the next psyop down the line that's going to happen. Maybe there'll be a new one tomorrow and we get to work it out before it even started. So many people missed the big picture. I think I, I did to a extent. I mean, in the early days when I first worked to 9 them. Uh, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago now, I thought 9-11 was it. That was the only thing that was worth investigating. Everything else was true. 9-11 was a lie. And if you work that out, then you've won sort of thing. But obviously, <laughs> the reality is it, it's not like that at all. So the idea is to see these traits that happen and to use this to put things straight away. And that way, you don't have to wait 15 years to undo the psychological damage that's been caused by a soil. And you can just not go through that trauma straight away rather than believe everything for years and years and then begin the painful process of undoing all that wrong thinking to get back to square one again. 
you don't have to do it. You can work it out straight away. So a great example is the, the Ukraine war, for instance. Now, I, I don't really, I'm, I can't really come on here and tell you that I know what's going on in the Ukraine war. But I know there's a lot of tomfoolery going on in the mainstream media. And I can see that there's lots of video game footage being passed off as war, training videos being passed off as war. I don't know, historical library footage being passed off as war. And that doesn't prove there's no war going on, of course, but it does mean that you're, something is going on to pull the wool over your eyes, right? And, you know, you should exercise caution. It brings into question, where is the footage, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because if there was plenty of footage, there's never been more cameras on the planet than now. We've got more cameras than ever. Why isn't there enough footage? Why would you need to use fake footage? Moving on, though. So those are, broadly speaking, the advantages of spotting the template. But, and these ones, you could say, are academic interests. You know, you spot the template, you avoid this psychological uh, damage, and that's the end of it. But I, don't, I think there's more to it than that, because there are some cases where you could actually avoid physical harm, harm to your body, even death. Like COVID. Exactly. The COVID hoax. Exactly. So if you weren't awake and you couldn't spot the template before the pandemic, then what happens is the scandemic gets launched and you're going to get taken over by it like a snowball running down a mountain. You're going to get wrapped up in it. And the more you go down that mountain inside that snowball, the bigger that snowball builds. To some extent, you might end up poisoning yourself with the clot shot. So, you know, this kind of thing, it's not just psychological damage and academic prowess we're looking for here, but you could be avoiding semi-accidental suicide. Yeah by injecting yourself here. So it is actually, literally speaking, a matter of life and death, or can be in some cases. Some estimates have said that there's 17 million globally have been genocided by the clock shot so far. And all the people who are in that figure are people who did wake up at 9-11. So that, I think that kind of um, shows us the importance of these systems and why we need to stay ever vigilant to the latest skirmish. There'll be another one tomorrow or next week or the week after and another one after that and another one after that they'll all be the same there have certainly been plenty since 9-11 haven't there yeah absolutely and i'm going to mention a few of my favorites in a minute <laughs> oh goody top 10 <laughs> oh how exciting yeah. even i don't know what's made your list i can't wait to do your short list <laughs> yeah we'll see <laughs> it isn't just physical harm that's kind of the obvious kind, like the vaccine genocide, that that's a very obvious to us physical harm, plus the people who are maimed for life because they've got some, you know, the eye of the Pfizer, the whole Bell's palsy thing, or perhaps they've got even even worse. Sorry. <laughs> I've not heard that one. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I can't help myself. Eye of the Pfizer. Yeah, well, the guy's made a, a song about it. Boat Rock has written a song called The Eye of the Pfizer. It's fantastic. To the original tune, presumably. Of the Eye of the Tiger, absolutely. I've got to get the guy on this podcast. I think he's hysterically funny. He's done loads. I'll send it you after this. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. But anyway, there's the physical stuff. But actually, you know the psychological ones where there's psychological trauma? Say like the Ukraine war, for example, if you really believe it's going on and these young men are dying and stuff like that. You're psychologically traumatizing yourself, but there is some evidence, isn't there, that psychological trauma actually plays itself out as physical damage to the body during and later on. There's some quite serious linkage, isn't there, between when we damage ourselves psychologically, that can also cause physical damage within the body. Is that right? Yeah, and furthermore, there's some evidence that says that the actual nature of the psychological damage, i.e. the pigeonhole that it occupies, can 
dictate a part of the body that becomes damaged as well. So a bit like a kind of acupuncture in a way, but from your thoughts to your body, but to a particular part of your body. Now, this isn't something I know an awful lot about, and I'm certainly not prepared to talk about it at the moment because I don't know enough about it, but it's a very interesting phenomenon, as you say. Yeah, I was sent something by somebody. Again, I'm in a similar position to you on this one. I don't know enough to talk with authority on the subject, but I have recently been sent this picture of the human body and which parts of the body, which ailments might be linked to which kinds of problems. And people who are anti-authoritarian or anti-authority like me, they often suffer with broken bones. Somebody thought it was hysterically funny that I broke my foot before Christmas. Uh, they sent me this to say, well, that's why. Because it, it's your fault for challenging the system. It makes you susceptible to broken bones. I don't know. It was quite an interesting diagram with loads of other seemingly quite credible ideas that if you do this, if you're this kind of person, that manifests in this way or this, if you do too much of this, it manifests in that way. I thought, well, that's interesting. I haven't looked into it, but I, I did notice it. I thought, oh, I must look at that at some point. Yeah. Maybe it's a topic <laughs> for a future podcast. Yeah. I can't do it, but I, I know someone who can. I'll try and persuade her later. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do some research. Good effort. We're talking about Joanna Vandalier, your co-author. We indeed, yeah. Yeah, super. They're much more of an expert on these things than I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's move back to 9-11 for a bit, because there's another major point I wanted to make, apart from this idea of this ongoing psychological warfare and these repeated skirmishes, all adopting the same template. It's something that we all forget now and again, and even myself. And that is that any photograph or video that we're shown, no matter where you see it, be it on TV, on the Facebook, on the on a web page, whatever, YouTube, whatever, there's always the possibility that these things are fake. So right now you can have any image you like using AI. I just saw because it's sort of this before the um call I was on Facebook and someone's posting alleged photos of this alleged farmer protest in Paris. Now, I don't know anything about this protest at all, so I can't tell you whether there is a protest or there isn't or what the nature of it is. I don't even know what they're protesting about, even if they are protesting. But I can recognise AI photos. I've got, I don't know what it is, I think I've got some kind of knack for it. And this one being posted right now on Facebook, if you go on your Facebook, you'll, you'll find it straight away. And it's of a street, allegedly in Paris, with the Eiffel Tower in the background, a load of hay bales piled up on both sides of the street to make a kind of thin avenue, like a toboggan run made out of hay bales. And as soon as I saw it, I could see that it was an AI photo. I don't know how I could I tell this, I really don't. But in order to corroborate it, I decided to look closely. And, I, and you can see that the shadows of the hay bales don't match up to the hay bales. That's like a red bag immediately. And then I went on Google Street View, and there aren't any streets that conform to the configuration depicted in the photo. So if you get a, like a hunch or a gut feeling that these things are fake, you can often just go and check these things out and find out whether they're real or fake. And if you can't check them out, if you've got no way of verifying, then you have to maintain the knowledge that these things are, it's a 50-50, right? It could be fake, it could be real, just to keep an open mind. But it's all, it's all very easy for us. And I, I've made this mistake myself in the past, I'm sure everyone has. You see something in you, a video or a photo, and you think it's real, and you immediately form a beef around it. And once you've formed a belief, it's the end of the road, right? You're never going to get shot of that. There's the 15 years to undo the psychological damage we were talking about. Uh, so I think, you know, whenever we see any evidence of 9-11 or anything else, we need to view it through this lens 
that says that the stuff we're seeing might fake. So, for instance, on 9 11, people, when you say there weren't any planes on 9 11, or when one says that, people often say, What about the eyewitnesses? This sentence has embroiled into it the notion that there were eyewitnesses to planes. And of course, where does the notion come from? Well, it comes from some clips that have been shown on the TV. On the television. On the television, or on YouTube, or on the internet, or blah, 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 anywhere, right? And there'd be a clip of a crisis actor next to a fake video of a plane hitting the building. And we all can remember the particular ones we're thinking. I'm thinking of that Harley guy as an example of this, when he's announcing the narrative of 9-11 about 20 minutes after it's happened. And, you know, it's just an actor. That's just it, right? So this is the thing we forget. We see these clips, we see these films, we see these stills, we form a belief, and then the next thing we're arguing with someone on the internet who doesn't think they're true, and, and you've got these two camps of belief fighting each other, just like religious wars. And this, this is the playing field we find ourselves in, you see, and this is why it's a very difficult journey to navigate yourself through this, because everything's against you, right? So I'm just going to talk about a few of the tactics that are used inside these skirmishes. So if you imagine 9-11 as a skirmish, Sandy Hook as a skirmish, Boston Hoaxathon, Vegas Hoax shooting, blah, 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 truck acts, Nice, blah, whatever you can think of. If you imagine these psyops, what are the tactics? So like in a battle, when two armies fight against each other, they have various strategies they use, such as pincer movement, rear guard attack, decoy attack, all these kind of things. So... Same with in, in board games. If you play a game of chess, you might have a certain intensive strategy that has a number of steps to it. Once you see the steps, you recognize the strategy. So what I want to do is to try and see how these strategies are played out in traditional psyop like 9-11 and various other ones. And let's just launch straight into it. And I know I'm going to start with your favorite, Sarah. And that's the grassy knoll. I know you love this one. Oh, I do. It's my, it's my absolute all-time favourite. Grassy knolling. Yes, we know what you're doing. We see you. It's a good one. So I think we might have spoken about this before. So I'll just give a very brief recap, just in case anyone's forgotten or, or anyone's missing this the first time. So if you imagine, draw a bit of paper in your mind in front of you on the table, and something happens, like 9-11 or Sandy Hook, or well, in the case of Sandy Hook, something doesn't happen, but they say it happens. and We'll draw that square on the paper in front of you and label in the middle of it with the name of that narrative. That narrative is the one that's on news. That's the one you're being fed on the BBC or CNN or whatever. That narrative is called the lone gunman. Okay. And normally it does involve a lone gunman. Okay. So in the case of uh, JFK, obviously it's Lee Harvey Oswald's own gunman. No surprise there. With 9 11, it's Osama bin Laden. Now he obviously has his 17 helpers in his. Alleged hijackers. I'm not convinced that any of them really existed, but obviously there is kind of helpers. But really, the small guy is him. He's the lone gunman. In the Vegas host shooting, there was a guy called Stephen Craig Paddock. And then in Sandy Hook, of course, there's a, the fake guy, Adam Lanza. So you've got a fake person inside a fake acted out stage show. Whereas, you know, other people in that stage show did exist, he didn't. So, but he's still on gun, even though it doesn't exist, right? So, anyway, that's in that central square on the middle of your paper. And you can use this in any of these psyops and nice truck attack or whatever you want, whatever the latest one is, insert blanks here, whatever. And then 
at another point on your paper, outside that square, draw a second square, and you can pin that second square that you've write the word truth. Now, you'll never, for many of these things, you're never going to find out what that is. Some of them are easy, like Sandy Hook. It's pretty easy to work out that it, that's just a, a drill filmed at a different school and the footage was shown up and they invited a load of porters around, traips round and round through that building while being videoed. And, uh, you know, it's kind of pretty obvious what happened there. But in other psyops like 9-11, you're never going to fully work out that truth. You can work out what didn't happen. And just the official narrative, of course, with the uh, bad guy running around the mountains with this dialysis machine trailing behind him or whatever. But you're never going to work out the truth. So although we know there is a truth to it somewhere, we're never really going to find it. We know it's not Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. Laden. (laughs) You should see what I'm going to say next. It's not just Osama bin Laden with his uh, 17 dwarfs and his kidney dialysis machine. We know it's not that. It's this kidney dialysis machine within the larder, right? Yeah, absolutely. It might as well have been. That's right. And which Osama bin Laden? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are we talking about Tim Osman or? Well, the real Osama bin Laden, please stand up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The guy who only died twice, right? The crim who only yeah. died twice. Oh, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and, and so you've got two squares now. We've got the official narrative, the lone gunman, and we've got the truth. Now, if they left it like that, anyone who, in the tiniest bit disgruntled by the main narrative, would ferret around and find that truth, because it's the only other thing there, or they'd find something close to the truth, probably, and it, that would be the end, end of the show. And gradually, at time, everyone would migrate towards the truth. It might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, 100 years, 500 years, but eventually they'd all be at the truth. So that's not good. That strategy doesn't work in this game, right? So if you're playing chess, it'd be like with your queen directly next to the other guy's queen. You're going to get taken. It's just crazy. So, so that's no good. So we give that one a red cross. Okay, so what does work? Well, the thing that does work is you draw another square on the paper with the alternative media narrative, which is called the grassy knoll, obviously. And now you get a champion to champion the lone gunman. You get a champion to champion the grassy knoll, and you get them to fight each other. And everyone will join that fight. And then truth will be left unattended, unexamined, while everyone just fights. Richard D. Hall calls it the phony bone of contention, doesn't he? Phony bone of contention, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if things are looking... It's so good. All you need to do is draw another square with a second grassy knoll. And I think with JFK, there's about 18 different grassy knolls I've heard of, ranging from Jackie did it to 18 shooters in grates under the, in the sewers did it to 25 people buildings, all kinds of wacko stuff. You better not mention sewers. I might do another inappropriate little interlude. <laughs> Based <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah leave exactly. that one out. Something about yeah. Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah, okay. Better leave that one. <laughs> and then they, these alternative theories for JFK, they range from the ridiculous to the laughable, really. I mean, my, my view of JFK is absolutely nothing happened at all. The guy just was left, and I don't know where it went. But I don't think anything happened in Dealey Plaza at all, apart from the actors, if anything. But that's just my opinion. Maybe I don't, maybe, maybe he did get killed somehow, but I, I don't think he did. But there you go. So. You just draw more of these squares on your paper and you get more shills to champion each one. And then you get shill number two to call shill number one a shill, shill number one to call shill number two a shill, 
and then everyone will join in calling these people shills. And you don't even need to organise it, do you? Because some crackpots come up with their own theory, which they can't really substantiate. They put it out there. Uh, people who can't think for themselves think, oh yeah, that sounds good. It sounds better than the official narrative. I'll go with that. And people are naturally pre-programmed to take one of two sides, aren't they? So you could have all these shills fighting each other and you didn't even need to do anything. If you're the sort of person who's trying to control everything, you just let them go. Because I talk about Pied Pipers, don't I? There are knowing Pied Pipers, those who know that they are deliberately misleading people in the alternative media. And then there are unwitting Pied Pipers who are totally clueless. They're often pretty intelligent. Um, and they have absolutely no idea that they're leading people a merry dance because they really believe in their their version of the grassy knoll. And so it's, it's a perfect system of obfuscation and smoke and mirrors and all combined into one awful, um, you know, pantomime, isn't it? Yeah, or as Frank Zappa put it, add water, it makes its own sauce. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well done. Good one. So, you know, like the touch paper, retire and off it goes and you don't have to do anything. The CIA can go and hold it to Barbados, whacking the Pia Coladas, safe in the knowledge that back home is all going down as they expect. Okay, so I think that kind of um, outlines a grassy you know, knoll. And obviously, this is borne out with 9 11 in an exemplary fashion. You've got the controlled demolition, you've got the energy weapons, and you've got the micro nukes or mini nukes or whatever. I don't even know if a mini nuke exists. I don't think it does, but you've got these mini, alleged mini nukes. To be honest with you, it's, it's just ridiculous. Fake nukes, Phil, doesn't think any nukes exist at all. Yeah, so some people think nukes are fake. Some people think there are micro-nukes, which, which are actually not technically possible, I don't think. Either way, it's just ridiculous. Then you get these shills to, you know, a shill behind each one. I don't want to name any names, but you get a shill behind each of these amps to pump these balloons. And Oh, people love it when you name names. Go ahead, don't hold back on my account. I, I'm not easily offended. Well, I don't know about the thermite and nanothermite as well. There's a crew that are arguing literally about whether it's nanothermite or thermite. That always tickles me. Well, in order to blow the buildings, you need an explosive, of course. And neither thermite nor nanothermite are explosives. So you've got a phony bone of contention right there. Two things which are not possible to be explosives. And you've got people arguing between themselves about which is right. And the answer is obviously neither, right? I'm not saying thermite wasn't used on 9-11. It does make exceedingly hot temperatures and it can be used to cut metal beams if it's only if the charge is directed you can't just get a pile of thermite chuck it on the ground and set a light to it and hope for the because it won't it'll just go fuzz fuzz fud but if you direct it it might cut some beams for it to aid in collapse but it certainly won't make those explosive plumes that we saw in the videos assuming those videos are real of course it just won't do that it's another whole problem, which is exactly where you started this podcast. With everything we see, you have to at least give it a 50-50 chance at the beginning of being fake. Whether it's a video, whether it's a photograph, it doesn't matter where you saw it or what it is. Uh, anything that might be considered evidence as to e event X or event Y having actually taken place, you have to view with at least 50% of suspicion that it never even happened at all. Or that this photograph, sorry, is a complete fake or this video is a complete fake. Exactly. Because we've been able to fake that stuff for a very, very, very long time. If you look back at those old movies, Independence Day, what was that? 1999, was it? The late 90s, early noughties. You've got all kinds of extraordinary things where they, you know, blow up the Empire State Building, for example. And it looks believable. It looks real. It looks pretty good, man. You know, I, I was quite impressed with that. Especially back then, it still looks pretty good now, even though we've, you know, supposedly moved on technologically 
very, very much since then, another, you know, 25 years almost, but the footage still looks good. So to think that, you know, news programming, which is just another kind of movie, another kind of Hollywood movie, can't use the same technology is frankly quite retarded, isn't it? Yeah, just as an aside here, just to chip in, I actually saw Rem Singh when I was a kid, an example of special effects getting worse as time went on. So I remember being an avid Star Trek fan of the original series, Captain Kirk and whatnot. And obviously it's just, they're just models made out of plastic on wires, right? We all know that there wasn't a real Star Trek Enterprise. I know you might be shocked to hear that, Sarah, but, but there wasn't, you know. But I thought those graphics were okay. And then when they came to the next generation, did rudimentary early computer-style graphics, and I thought it was a lot worse. So that just reinforces what you're saying, that they've been doing this kind of trickery for, for years and years. And before Photoshop, of course, they had photo montage where you do the same layering that you do in Photoshop, but you just do it with a pair of scissors and some glue. Yep. And they've been doing this since the, the 40s. A lot of the uh, photographs of World War II are, are fake. Not all of them, but a lot of them are fake. Also, Star Wars, if you look at the original Star Wars, some of that trickery or fakery is actually better than the, the modern CGI stuff. You can see that just by looking. I agree, yeah. Because they actually made an effort. They had to really make an effort to fake things then. So one of the good examples might be where they used mirrors in the desert to hide the wheels so that it looked like you had like crafts hovering over the desert, but they actually just used mirrors. Exactly, they did it. It's genius. Yeah. And you're never going to guess that unless you watch the how they made this happen. And actually, some of the old trickery, the kind of trickery you'd have to use in the theatre as opposed to on film, where you could cheat and use CGI these days, actually, a lot of that old stuff is really good. It still works. That, that's how, you know, how Paul Daniels pulls it off. <laughs> and then, uh, what's that modern bloke? He's a bit out of date, isn't he? What's that other one, that newer version? Uh, is it Darren Brown or something like that? Darren Brown, there's more psychological type things, yeah. Yeah, but all this trickery stuff that they pull off, it's sold as the hills. It's the magic circle stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, I just think it's good if we all bear in mind that we are the unwilling victims of trickery and we have been for all of our lives. It's not something new. Let's move on to the next weapon in this psychological armory then, if, if you want. And um, we've talked about the grassy knoll. And I was just trying to make a brief list of these uh, before the show so I could kind of focus my mind. And the next one I've got here on my notes is what I would call directed mudslinging. So this is where let's say some particular aspect of truth comes out and it comes to the forefront. What happens is you take mud and you throw it at that particular truth item such that your mud, which is uh, readily taken up by your, the shields and stuff, becomes permanently attached to that truth item and like chemically bonded to it so you can never be relinquished, right? So I'll give you an example of this from 9-11, right? So imagine the mud is the energy weapons, and the truth item is the no planes. So I take the truth item of no planes used on 9-11, and I throw it to the mud of energy weapons. And behold, they stick together. So the same people who go on about no planes also go on about these energy weapons. And then it's easy for the sheeple, or whatever we want to call them, the NPCs, to see this energy weapon stuff, realise, obviously, that's bullshit, and then complication it tarnishes the truth of the no planes and so they're able to easily ridicule the, the pair of these notions together once again you know when i say the energy weapons is rubbish this is just my opinion of course you know if some new piece of evidence comes to light where that proves they're, they're real I'll, I'll believe it but so far i've seen nothing nothing at all 
So that's kind of directed muscling, and we see that going on all the time. It's a very prevalent thing, it really is. So the next one I want to cover in my list here is what I call a straw man attack. And this is distinct from a straw man itself, although you do need to understand straw man in order to understand straw man attack. So a straw man fallacy is where, let's say you told me a narrative about what you did yesterday, Sarah, and I take a little bit of part of it and I extend it maybe by making an overgeneralization or an extension of what you said to ludicrous proportions. And then I defeat that part of your narrative. And then lastly, I pretend that my defeating that part of your narrative is equivalent to defeating the whole thing. So that's, that's basically the straw man fallacy. And obviously it's a fallacy because just to defeat one thing doesn't mean that you defeat the whole thing. It goes down to implication again and the directed mudslinging. So what happens with 9-11 is a shield will pop up and they'll join the camp of some research, some valid research, and they'll extend that research to a degree and encourage the people in that field to join them in, in extending the narrative like that. And then later on, of course, someone will come in and attack that extension and this will discredit the whole avenue of thought. So I think an example of this is free energy. So let's assume for a minute that there were some energy weapons used on them. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying there were, and I, I find it unlikely, as I've already said, but maybe they were, who knows. But associated with this energy weapons comes this concept of free energy. So these people start talking about free energy. And to me, they never describe what is actually meant by the adjective free. And they never describe where this energy comes from. So my idea of an energy weapon is a big lorry with a laser on top of it or something with a big generator inside generating electricity. And that powers the laser. And the laser fires at the building or the soldier or the cat or whatever it is. Now, I don't see how the word free is applicable to any of that. I can't see how any of that free energy. Because if you open the back door of the lorry, there's a bloody generator in there generating it and you've put petrol on it. So how is that free? Yet these people often use the term free energy in direct association with this energy weapon thing. Do you see how this works? It's only free if your parents pay for your electricity bill. <laughs> so maybe, maybe these people are the ones who live at home with their mum still when they're 45 yeah. and their mum pays the electricity bill and therefore it's electricity's free, right? Exactly. Here's, here's another example. Hurricane Erin. So a lot of these people say that this free energy, whatever it is, they don't describe what the free energy is or what makes it free, but they say somehow it's powered by Hurricane Erin. And this is a hurricane that's supposed to have appeared off the coast of New York on the, on the day, I don't know. But they say somehow this is linked. But they never describe the how does the energy get collected from Hurricane Erin and how is this translated into this laser or microwave weapon or whatever weapon it is, which they never say either. How does this work? Never anything. Not one squeak about how this is supposed to work. And yet so suddenly you've got this energy weapon thing attach this hurricane error and attach this idea of free energy. It's because it sounds clever. Sometimes the people who are spouting this nonsense sound intelligent. They might have a plummy accent. They might have lots of letters after their name from a mainstream academia. And people get sort of taken in by that. I was watching something earlier just before we came on with that grotesque shill of all shills, Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. And if you like Elon Musk, you can bugger off and never listen to a Plumley pod ever again. <laughs> you are a moron. 
Yes, sorry, I I can't bear it. I really can't bear it. All the Elon Musk fanboys get lost. You're fools, and I cannot wait until we can rub you. I can rub your face in it right now. Look at his weft puppet that he put in charge of Twitter. Look at all the people who haven't been allowed back on Twitter. <laughs> and he's a free speech absolutist. My bottom, he certainly isn't. Hello. Goodness me, I, I could go on all day about that fool. But the thing is, people are taken in by him. I was watching two inte- supposedly intelligent people with lots of qualifications trying to almost sit in his lap because they were so hanging on his every word. And actually, when you analysed it, Elon Musk didn't really say a lot about anything at all in this little interview that I've seen recently where he's on stage with these two boffins. And they're, they're, look, they're asking him silly questions like, oh, so is this surgery? They're talking about this neurochip that's supposedly been put inside someone's brain. And they're saying, so is it like surgery? And he, he waffles on for a bit. And then they ask like, is this like surgery again? So they're obviously not understanding him. They think they're not understanding him because he's so intelligent and so knowledgeable and so gifted. And actually, he's just talking crap. To silky shit. That's why you don't understand him. It's complete word salad. He's bullshitting. And yet these boffins, they can't even consider for a moment that this guy is full of shit. Oh, it drives me. I had to turn it off. Well, that's the problem. We've been forced into a world where we've been fed so much bullshit and fake science that we now think this science is this super powerful thing that can work miracles like it's... Yeah, only clever people can understand it. Only extremely intelligent, genius people can understand it. And we're too stupid to understand any of it, right? That's what they want us to believe. Exactly, exactly. And in reality, of course, it's just all bullshit, the whole thing that's made up here. It's just sad that people won't even ask the most rudimentary questions about these things. They just accept it as science being this... We live in a world of magical realism now, mm-hmm. at least by the, the, the fantasy of this fake science. It was very sad to see these two uh, supposedly intelligent people repeating the same questions because they hadn't a clue what he was talking about, but assuming that they were the ignorant ones, assuming that they were foolish, or instead of just asking straight questions and then, and then saying, oh, I'm sorry, but my question was actually this. Can you answer my question, please? rather than just talking about what you want to talk about, right? But that never happens. These people are sat there puzzled because they don't understand, and they go away, these intelligent people thinking that, oh, I'm just not smart enough to understand Elon Musk, rather than he's a bag of wind. It's sad, isn't it? It's, it's so depressing that we live in this world of this... I mean, two groups of people annoy me. There's obviously the people who are putting this crap out annoy me, but also it's the people who lap it up without a moment's hesitation. They annoy me as well. I don't know which are the worst for me. Both of them, probably. A plague on both their houses. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. So next on my list of, of psychological weapons, I've got the fallacy of the excluded middle. This is a traditional psychological manipulation technique. And it was like this. Let's say I want you, Sarah, to believe something that's not true. Okay, so the first step is to take the truth and take the untruth and train as opposite. And it works, but there has to be exactly two of them. So the battlefield, if you like, has to be divided into two equal areas, the truth and the thing I want to get you to believe. So that's step one. And this is where excluded middle comes in, because you're taking away everything that can fall into one of those two camps. Then the second stage, the one I don't want you to believe, I paint it in an unfavorable fashion by slinging mud at Okay. And what happens then? When, when someone sees mud being thrown at one of these possibilities, they'll immediately move the way and believe the other thing. 
So a great example for me is flat Earth. So if you think about it, there's loads of hypotheses that could be true of the shape of the Earth. I'm not, I'm not saying that the Earth isn't a globe, because I think it is, but let's imagine that we free our mind and think all possibilities. So, you know, it could be a globe, it could be a disk, it could be a plane, it could be a cylinder and you live on the inside or the outside of it. It'd be like a torus, like a donut with a hole in it. Could be like a double torus, like two donuts glued together, etc. etc. Could have the sun rotating above it or below it or above and below it anyway. So first of all, this battlefield like this is totally inapplicable for this psychological trick to work. So the first step is all the ones which aren't globe have to be collapsed down into one. So all of those other weird and wonderful things I mentioned, flat earth, round earth, uh, plane earth, disc, whatever, they all have to be labelled in one square on your piece of paper with flat earth written on it. Okay, so now there's only two things on the paper, flat earth and globe earth. So now the two things are in a good position for this psychological trick to work. Because all you have to do is to paint the group one in unfavourable light. That is simple. All you need to do is write the word NASA above it. And that's all you need to do. And then bingo, anyone who's gullible enough to fall for this will go straight to, to the flat earth thing. And this kind of thing operates all the time. It's a really common psychological technique. And we will carry on falling for it for all of eternity because it's, I think it's a defect in the way the human mind works that makes us susceptible to falling for this psychological trick. Okay, that's the fallacy of the extruded middle. Ready to move on? Yeah, I just, I always get lost around NASA because I can't deal with it. Never a straight answer. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I still want one of those t-shirts, NASA, just fake it. I'm desperate for a NASA, just fake it t-shirt. I've been watching lots of footage of the International Fake Station and that, <laughs> oh, that really, I love it. That's, that's what, that and the grassy knoll are my two favourite things. Yes. <laughs> I love it when they have those green screen glitches where yep. they go to try and grab an object, but the green screen messes up and the object disappears or something and then it flickers back again and stuff like that. I think that's wonderful. I love how uh, they all have really tight pants around the groin and it's like, that's because they're wearing a harness. Weather-wise, yeah. And like, that's how we fly people. In the theatre, it's like wearing a nappy or when you go climbing or abseiling, that's what you wear. And if you wear quite smart trousers over the top, it looks like you're wearing really tight pants because you are. That's what a harness is. It's hysterical because the ladies and the gentlemen look the same. If you look at them, you can see. And the way they hold their chest and their body. That's very unfortunate for the gentlemen. It is. It's because it's they're being suspended. Yeah. And well, there's that brilliant footage where you can see them grabbing the wires as well. You know, the wires that aren't there. Yeah, to pull the other guy around or something. Yeah. To still them or keep them still so they doesn't reveal the wire at the back. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's so funny. And people believe this stuff. People yeah. still believe this stuff. And I can't get my head around it. So it's quite difficult. As somebody who's trying to promote education to the new generation, a, re a real form of education, it's very difficult when you've got all of this nonsense everywhere. And grown adults believe it. So young children are looking at adults thinking, well, they seem to know more stuff than me. So maybe they're right. No, they're not right, boys and girls. They're not. <laughs> they couldn't be more wrong. It's terrifying. What's next on your list? Yeah, we're going to the end, actually, we'll see, which is good. So... Next one on my list here is, so earlier we covered directed mudslinging, where, you know, a particular aspect of truth is targeted. But this same concept is also used for what I call undirect mudflinging, whereby you just flood the 
Conspiracy-sphere? I don't know. It's a coin of word. I like that. Conspiracy-sphere. Pity I could say it properly, but you know, that'll do. Yeah, yeah I like that. I'll let you say it. It's the medium future. Anyway, um, so you flood that whole arena with bullshit, basically. And you get everyone talking about these things. It's easy to pump people up just by posting a few things on Facebook and get people to talk about it all. And they, these people would go crazy. And I'll, t- I'll talk about the, the ramifications of this, of why this is done in a minute. Let's just concentrate on a few of these things just from my, that came to mind. So I've got on my list here, nanobots. And I actually saw someone say, nanobots will be injected into you with the bot shot and they will communicate with by Bluetooth or something and you'll be uploaded to the cloud. And I've actually seen people playing this, which I find incredible. So nanobots, I, I think they're just completely bullshit. It's funny how they popped up into existence a few years ago. Everyone started shrieking and going metal over them. And now it's all gone, isn't it? You don't see that on Facebook anymore. Just disappeared. Next one, uh, graphene oxide, which is bullshit, of course. So graphene is just an allotropic form of carbon, as I'm sure you know, Sarah. And it's not dissimilar from graphite, which is what's in your handle. It's just carbon. I've got loads of that right here. Absolutely. So it's not particularly dissimilar. In fact, it's very similar. Allegedly, it's just a bit more organized to layers. And allegedly, they've laid down the layers electrically or something. I don't know how they claim to do it but it's more organized. So the idea, if you take your pencil and convert that into an oxide, you'll get carbon dioxide. No real surprise there. Carbon, oxidize it, carbon dioxide. That's what carbon oxide is. It's carbon dioxide. So there's no such thing as graphene oxide. But you can go on the, there's a wiki page for it, which you can go and have a look at it. Oh, I bet. And it's, God, it's unbelievable that people would believe that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's just so little information there. And it's just all full of maybes, maybe this, maybe that, a few little silly diagrams. Utterly ridiculous that people will believe this is true. And yet you put a few things, all oh, graphene oxide is in the shot, and people will go crazy. Or snake venom. Do you remember that one? The snake venom in the shot. Yes. People go mental. Bluetooth transmitters in the clock shot. People go mental over it. All of this is complete, obviously complete bullshit. And I don't know, whoever's putting these things out there, they may be laughing and laughing and laughing at these people believing all this stuff. It's utterly unbelievable. Also, it's taking the um, heat off the eye of the Pfizer, which you can see, the, the Bell's palsy. Exactly, yeah. It's taking people's focus off the people who are dying. I didn't realise, but the other day, you know SIDS deaths, sudden infant death syndrome? Vaccine injury. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. but... 97% of SIDS occurs 10 days after an injection. All right, yeah. 97% of SIDS deaths occur 10 days after an injection. Whatever could it possibly be? And, and by doing all of this other stuff, it's taking the focus, what little focus people have these days, off of the actual real problems that are resulting from taking government-sanctioned injectables. Yeah, and what's even more upsetting is when they've had the kids have the injection, in many cases, the mother, sometimes the father as well, or either parent, but the, um, typically the mothers will report that their child was visibly changed immediately after the injection. Yes. And then later on, the kid dies. Many of the women get prosecuted. Yeah, and when they try and point that out, they're ridiculed on people as conspiracy theorists and accepted to victimisation. 
Some of them have been jailed as well for cot death, haven't they? Because they say the, the mothers harmed the baby. Uh, no, Big Pharma harmed the baby. Big Pharma killed the baby. The mother's now in jail. Exactly. Because of quote-unquote negligence or for killing her baby, which she did not do. Yeah, and yet the, the MPC response is to ridicule the victim. It's evil, isn't it? It's just so little empathy left in the world that they should do that. Because So this poor pen's had their kid killed by the clock shot or whatever. These NPCs have been instructed by the TV to victimise people, to victimise victims. And so as soon as they see this, they spew out all this abuse at them. This is just, what kind of a world do we live in when this happens? It's absolutely sickening. Vile. I can't believe that it's not even just the clot shot, it's all of them, all yeah, of the yeah. vaccinations. SIDS could be, SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. I, I said straight, I did a Simon Day. I did a Simon Day, that's a thing now, wow. uh, in this house. Because I, uh, I said, hang on a minute, when they came up with SADS, sudden adult death syndrome, I thought, wait a minute, you can't put SADS on a death certificate. Because if you are describing the cause of death, the rules of description dictate that you cannot use that word in the description. It's a bit like using the word dog to describe what a dog is. Yeah. You can't use the word dog in your OED description of a dog. You can use things like four-legged canine. You can use other, you know, hairy or whatever. You can use lots of descriptive words, but you can't use the word dog when describing or defining what a dog is. And it's the same with death. Forbidden, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So how come they got away with it? Writing sads on death certificates. Oh, they died of suddenly becoming an adult, did they? Yeah. Crazy. It's completely insane. It's just giving you a, a syndrome, a name, and then saying that that name is the cause of it, which is and it's just weird that people fall for this kind of stuff. It's just unbelievable. Even worse, though, they ridicule you when you point out how retarded that is. Exactly, yeah. Even though you can prove it by use, pick any other word and go and look up that word's definition in the OED. It will not use that word. You can't use the word when defining the word. That's the rule. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. I think you learn this when you're six or seven. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of like a primary school type thing, isn't it? For sure. Let me carry on on my list. I've got a couple more of these undirected mud-flinging things. So, uh, Morgellons disease. I don't know if you remember that one. No, I don't think I do. It's like all these things. Suddenly, it's a big thing. Everyone's going on about it. And then... A year later, nothing, no more about it. A bit like Planet Nibiru. Do you remember that one? Oh, I remember that. Uh, yeah. It must have been still on Fedbook. I'm not on Fedbook anymore. Yeah, so Planet Nibiru is going to kill us. It says a planet's going to bump into us or something. And then a few weeks later, no one's talking about it anymore. Same with Orgellans. It's supposed to be these fiber-like artificial parasites that are in you from the chemtrails. Complete bull, of course. And there's supposed to be film of these people with these fibers coming out of their bodies and stuff and this is all the rage about eight or nine years ago maybe well instead of the uh, aluminium barium and the other toxic things that actually are in the <laughs> yeah i mean who knows what is in those chemtrails really because we don't really know anything do we or we read that aluminium barium frontium are found i i suspect they probably are but i haven't analyzed anything and even if i did analyze a solid water in a pond or something and found aluminium how does that prove that they came from the chemtrails, you know? so How do you know? Yeah. So we, we have to be really careful about what we know. If we allow thoughts and ideas to enter our mind unchallenged from dubious sources or from any source, really, and then for those to form beliefs, you've kind of lost control of your own consciousness. Mm. And as they say, you better be in charge of your own mind because if you're not in charge of it, someone else will be, right? And that's why it's important. Whenever you perceive yourself having a belief 
is to challenge yourself and just say, why, why do I think that? Why do I believe that? Where does my information come from? How many years ago did this happen? What caused it to start? What caused it to end? That kind of thing. And unless we ask ourselves these basic questions about our own knowledge, where someone else has basically programmed us to think. Okay, so I was going to carry on now. That's the end of my uh, list of these weapons. So what I wanted is this last thing, this undirected mud-flinging thing. I think it's pretty important, and I just want to kind of illustrate why I think this is really important. So let's imagine that you have 10, let's call them conspiracy theorists. I don't like the term myself, but conspiracy realists or reality analysts or whatever you want to call them, and you line them up in a playing field to them, and you start hurling mud at them. Blindfolded people hurl, hurl mud balls at them. And let's say that one of them has got like a shield, which he or she holds up and it intercepts the mud balls as they hit them. So mud, no mud sticks to them. But the other nine are foolhardy enough not to have this. And so they're splattered in mud from head to toe. Okay. So who are the victims really of this? I think the victims fall into two distinct groups. So the first set of victims are the NPCs at large, the sheeple. Because you see these 10 reality analysts, conspiracy theorists, whatever, and they see that nine of them are covered in mud. And they use the fact that nine of them are covered in mud, either ones who have believed in nanobots, flat earth, Nittnaburu, Morgellons disease, all the rest of it. They're the ones who have believed in it, or they start tweeting it or sticking on Facebook. And they use this as a yardstick by which to judge all of them. So the whole class of these people is judged by the weakest of these people and remember these npcs are looking for an easy way out so they don't have to face the reality of the world around them so if you give them a free way out of having to think they grab it and run so as soon as they see nine people covered in mud they're gonna start laughing and run away and to say this then i wouldn't particularly blame them i mean i think they probably should investigate a bit further but you understand why they naturally be repelled by the whole playing field when they see this happening. And then the other set of victims from this are those nine people, of course, because these nine people are going to be living in fear of nanobots, graphene oxide, planet Nibiru, flat earth, Morgellons, blah, 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 all of this stuff. And they're going to spend their life living in fear as every new thing appears to them on Facebook or Telegram or whatever. They're going to be living in fear of this new thing. So they're going to spend their whole lives constantly in this state of tension and peril. So this is a really good weapon, this underrated slinging, because you've got two sets of victims, right? It's brilliant. Keeps farmer rich as well, because whilst you're living in fear, you're making yourself not just psychologically unwell, but physically unwell, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And when we've, we've covered the psychological aspect of illness and disease in other podcasts, haven't we? But Certainly. So you're right, you can just go, right, I'm anxious, I can't sleep, I'm living in terror, so I'm going to go straight to the back, get a bottle of whatnot, whack it down. Well, these days, even these um, sort of alternative health people have popped up, haven't they, to cater for the ones that... So you've got people living in fear of Nibiru or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> and Sorry, I <laughs> can't even keep a straight one on that. <laughs> so they're living in fear, but they know that pharma's bad because they, they woke up during COVID, so they know that you know big pharma is totally tarnished. So they're looking for something else. So you go off to an alternative medicine provider or whatever, 
and it will still result in a lot of cases in taking a supplement. Now, this makes me laugh because this supplement thing, well, that's just a different kind of drug. Oh, it's healthy. It's natural. Maybe, but it depends how you take that supplement, what you take it with. And whether or not, do you really need it? Shouldn't we be removing the causes of these of these problems rather than, again, treating symptoms? Yeah. I know that they might be treating symptoms in a healthier way than Big Pharma. That's good. The root cause of the problem is actually fear, wasn't it? Because it's fear that has made you sick. And then that fear can manifest itself in lots of different ways, doesn't it? In different people, in physical discomfort or physical dis-ease. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's... Um... Go back to 9 11. It's supposed to be a talk about 9 11. We've hardly talked about it at all. So, <laughs> well, I'm quite proud of us for that yeah. because that's the whole point. We shouldn't be talking about this crap. A thermite, yeah. nanothermite, don't care. Bots, nanobots, don't care. Planes, no planes, don't care because that's not really the point, is it? Let's go back to 9 11, though, and talk about a couple of the psyops that are used in it, though, because it, it does illustrate other, I agree with you, it does illustrate <laughs> other things. So, the, the first one I wanted to is energy weapons. Now, my personal view is this is a, a psyop. If someone came up with some evidence to prove me wrong, I might change my mind. But at the moment, I can't see there being any truth in it whatsoever. So the idea of this is you've got this energy weapon. So I got this idea of this truck with a generator with a laser on it or a microwave weapon or Hutchinson field generator, if, if such a thing exists, which it probably doesn't, but blah, blah, blah. Imagine that you park that in the street outside Tower 1 and you direct it at Tower 1. Now, first of all, you'd be tied of the building, either north, west, south. You, not, you can't be directly above the building in a truck and you can't be directly below it in a truck. You have to be to one side. Okay, you could be above it in an aeroplane maybe or a satellite, but even then you'd be moving. So I think it's going to work, but let's start with the truck. So you aim your microwave at the side of the building or your Hutchinson weapon. I then the beam of it would be quite wide, like 10, 20 meters wide, a broad brush kind of thing. What it's going to do is going to disrupt, melt, or affect one side of the building, not the other side where you haven't aimed it. And that's going to cause some kind of asymmetric toppling. Yeah, what we see in the videos, if any of those videos are true, which of course they may not be, but if any of the videos are true, we don't see that. We see straight down. So that kind of energy weapon thing is not commensurate with the evidence we've seen. So given it's not, these people would have to say how oh, this energy weapon was directed at the building. But of course, they, they never do say that. To me, this is like the first bullet point underneath. You write energy weapons on a piece of paper. You put the first bullet point. The first bullet point is going to be what it, where does it come from? How do you focus it? How do you direct it? Where does it hit the building? All these things, the kind of obvious questions. What powers it? Yeah, so your listeners would be familiar with this because these must be kind of questions that their children would ask. Right. So it's like, imagine yourself as a child. What is the first thing that you can ask? And I just remember myself asking my dad about it when I did not, about 9-11, of course, because it hadn't happened, but about other things. It's the first thing. It's like, what is it? Where does it come from? How does it work? Yeah, who, where, what, when, why? Yeah, yeah. So why is it that these people who put forward these theories about energy weapons stuff, why is it they can't even do the basics? And to me, that suggests that they're shills, you see. Because if they were genuine researchers, they would look into how this could actually be done. How, how is it even possible? And they just don't ever do that. Never. Nothing. 
or they've been heavily schooled. Yeah. They've spent so long being brainwashed by the establishment into how not to research things properly that that's the kind of crap they produce. I don't know, though. Some of these people are very clever people who show their prowess in being able to analyse the minutiae of the situations we find ourselves in, yet they don't seem to be able to apply it in these particular cases. So, obviously, we have been trained in the, in the manner you describe, but not these people I'm thinking of. These people are, are not dullards by any means. They're very intelligent people. And, I don't know, it just saddens me that they haven't even bothered doing the bullet points on it. The next one, of course, is the micro-nuke. So some people say that these buildings had a micro-nuke under each of them. But a nuke goes off in a massive, great big bang, and everything just gets obliterated. Yet these buildings come down, again, you know, if the videos are correct, these buildings come down in seeming controlled demolition, in a, in a intensely, tightly choreographed sequence where explosive events are directed to specific parts of the buildings at very, very specific times. And if those timing constraints and location constraints aren't met to the millisecond or to the meter, that building won't just come straight down. It's going to fall aside or just blow up like it's a science fiction movie. And this is totally incongruent with a, a nuke, right? And yet still these people, I've gone to lectures where people have told me it's nukes that have done it and they've gone on to say all this so-called evidence, or, or baloney of course. People lap it up and they haven't even asked the most basic question as to how is the energy directed from where created to where it's utilised or converted into a destructive force? Nothing. Yeah. And same with holographic planes. People say, oh, the planes were holographic, something. But the first thing about the hologram is it's got to be beamed from somewhere. Hologram just doesn't miraculously form in the air on its own. It needs to be produced by something. So where were these supposed holograms beamed from? The other thing is with a hologram, there's two different kinds of holographic image. In the same way, there's two different kinds of 2D image. There's the image you get with a lens. If you take a telescope apart, get a lens, put it in a piece of paper, you'll get an inverted image of the, the countryside or whatever you're aiming at, and you'll be able to see that on your piece of paper. And I would expect everyone to have done this as a kid. I did. I'm not sure how many people do these things these days, but I did. And you get an inverted image. And if you put your hand in the way, it image goes away, right? So it's clearly being projected. In the second case is the image you see in a mirror where there's no projection going on. It's just a virtual image. And the same is true with a hologram. There's two kinds of image, a virtual image and a real image. The real image requires a screen, just like your piece of paper. Now, it didn't planar screen it's a three-dimensional screen so imagine little elements of paper dispersed three-dimensionally through the air which you normally need a kind of dust or crystals of co2 or something to display the image onto you can't just do it into free air it's got nothing to land on just the same as when you do the lens with the paper if you take away the paper you also take away the image right because it, there's nowhere for the image to land on same with the hologram. You need a medium for it to land on a 3D screen. So that's the first thing you need. If it's a three-dimensional holographic image, you need a screen. So where does the screen from? What chuck the powder into the air or crystals or whatever it is? Do any of them ever address this? No. And yet it's the first thing that you should think of. Someone says a hologram. My first question, is it a virtual image or a real image? No answer. Nothing. That's what really disturbs me about these theories is that they can be put out there without even the first scrap of analysis being done. 
And I guess that covers the, the 9-11 aspect of it. So we've done what it says on the tin, I guess. Well, I think it's important that we stop wasting hours and hours and hours of our time watching everything that's been produced on 9-11, planes, no planes, thermite, nanothermite, holograms, no holograms. I think it's time to stop doing that now. Sure, if you want to spend a long weekend, have a weekend off uh, work or whatever, and you want to, that, that's nice. But, but be aware that you're giving yourself a holiday. That's your hobby. That's your fun activity. It's not actually doing anything, and it's, it's certainly not helping anybody. Yeah, great idea. I try to encourage parents all the time to get off Facebook, get off social media, stop watching this crap, stop watching the alternative media. They're all really good. They don't watch the mainstream media. They haven't, and many of them haven't done for years. But we're all still naughty and we still watch the, the sort of mainstream alternative media, as it's being called now, MAM. The sort of alt media has become a carbon copy of the mainstream media. Yeah. But it's, they're giving you the grassy knoll news rather than the news. So you've got the mainstream media giving you the news. You've got the alternative media, the mainstream alternative media, giving you the grassy knoll. And we're wasting our time. We're wasting our precious time on this planet. They're just consuming garbage, consuming stuff, which is why I'm like, Let's focus on the important things. The important lessons are spotting the template, which is where you started this podcast. You need to be able to spot the template so that you don't end up taking the death shot or so that you don't end up waving a Ukrainian flag yeah. uh, like some crazed lunatic and inviting a Ukrainian to your house. You don't, there's all, all this nonsense. <laughs> you need to be able to spot the template so you don't do crazy stuff and you don't damage yourself and you don't damage your children. I was so eager to kind of get you to come in and explain to people that it's actually quite simple to deconstruct these, these theories because they don't ask the easy questions. They actually don't ask the questions, the first questions a child would ask, do they? Yeah, that's the thing. And I don't know why that is. Somehow that's been brainwashed out of us, isn't it, too? It's been schooled out of us, Simon. Well, I think you're right. Yeah. I think maybe someone's told them that if you ask these basic questions, then it means you're, you're thick. You're a baby. You, you haven't progressed beyond primary school questioning. But that's wrong. It's called primary education because it's yeah, you need to do of it first. prime importance. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, clue is in the title. You know, <laughs> this is why I get frustrated because I'm trying to explain this. To me, it's patently obvious. And I'm trying to explain that no, this comes first, then we progress into sort of secondary learning or secondary knowledge or secondary considerations. But you have to do the primary stuff first. Ask the simple questions. Doesn't mean you don't do that, right? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It's a really good advice. I was going to I'll just wrap up this bit by ending on a positive note. I want to kind of try and say what we can all do to avoid falling into these psyops and going down the run where we believe in a fake Ukraine war and it's taken us 10 years to realize that we've just been shown footage from a video game. I want to try and get people to avoid that. So I would just want to offer a bit of advice. I don't want to tell people what to think, but I'd like to just offer a few pointers about the kind of steps they can take to try and avoid the bear traps that we all face. So the first thing is, imagine some new PSYOP thing happens tomorrow. Okay, let's say there's a, a school shooting in Guildford or something. God, I hope there isn't one tomorrow, otherwise I'll be labelled as a Freemason or something. But anyway, let's assume there won't be. So the first thing is, when you first hear about it, or you see it on the TV or Facebook or wherever you get your news from, right? The first thing is, are you afraid or upset? So if you have the ability to observe your own mental state and your own emotional state and your own physical state, if you have the ability to kind of step above yourself and look at yourself, 
if you find yourself getting afraid or upset, that is the first red flag, right? Because once you're in that state where you're afraid or upset, you will believe anything. And, you know, there have been loads of experiments done on this in the past, and I'm, I'm going to go into them all now, but that's when we're at our most impressionable and malleable to propaganda. So if you, if you feel the anger, fear, uh, whatever, start to rise, red flag, right? Try and stop and step back and think, is what I'm seeing a genuine thing or not? Okay. So with me, it's like that picture of the French farmers I was talking to about a little bit earlier. As soon as I saw it, I realized it was fake. For some reason, I had a, like a red flag. So then you go and investigate and you go and see if it matches up to anything in reality and you find that it doesn't. That's the first thing. I think this is the most important thing because if you lose in this first 30 seconds, there's nothing you can do after that to regain your footing. It's already game over. So I'd say that's the most important step. The second step is to learn to spot the patterns. So you can look at 9-11, you can look at the Las Vegas fake shooting or Sandy Hook hoax, any of these other things, and just learn to spot the psychological warfare tactics that have been portrayed. And, you know, we've gone through a few of those, you know, grassy knoll, et cetera, et cetera. These are obvious. And once you've generated the ability to spot them, it's something like riding a bicycle. You never forget. You've got that skill for life, then that's going to do good for the rest of your life. And it may save you from physically harming yourself, as we've already discussed. So it's not something that should be taken lightly. Next thing, does this thing divide? If you can see that it's dividing people, it could be that they're using a the excluded middle to try and generate two camps to fight each other. Another red flag that there's something fictional going on. Learn to ask basic bullet point questions like we talked about. Ask the primary questions. Like, for instance, if it's nanobots, you could say, what is it? How do you make it? How do you inject it? How is it powered? What does it do? How does it do it? Just basic bullet points. If it's holographic planes, what kind of image is it? What was the screen? What was projecting the image? Basic bullet points. If it's energy weapons, what is the energy weapon? How wide is it? Where is it directed from? How is it focused? Basic bullet points. So... Just use these basic bullet points, and it's pretty easy. It's not anything rocket science for you. It's just straightforward primary school education stuff. Next thing is to drill down. So once you've taken something, so when I looked at this photo of this French tractor thing, after I realized that it was fake, I then drill down and go and look on the map and see if you can see where the photo could have been taken from. Look at the shadows in the picture, see if you can see the shadows match up etc etc so you're drilling down and then most importantly is, is take a step back and try and see the big picture of all these psychological warfare things one after the other try and get a picture and try and use your gut feeling and your instinct i think if we all did these simple steps i think these psyops would be a thing of the past because no one would believe any of them and we wouldn't have to waste our weekends um looking up what destroyed the wall of the pentagon or whatever you just wouldn't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Quite, yeah, absolutely. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Simon Day has just made a load of extra time in your life. You now have officially more time to spend on all of the things that matter, like educating yourself and educating your children. You don't need to be uh, checking out. You don't need to watch uh, 500 hours of, of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. Uh, spoiler alert, Nobody Died, the end. 
So you don't need to do this stuff, you know. My advice is kind of more brutal these days. I'm like, turn it off. Don't look in the first place. And I think I got that from you. I'm like, do you know what? Why am I even looking at this stuff at this stage? I was quite proud I didn't know one of those things on your list. I'm like, oh, good, I missed one. <laughs> like, I, I, I was not aware of that taking place. That's a good thing. And I, I was gutted that the quantum computer didn't make an imp- appearance. Oh, I thought that would be on your list. Damn, I forgot about that one. Uh, Next time. I was really looking forward. I thought it's bound to be on his list. Bound to be. We'll have to do one on that because that drives me batty as well. But I think it's important, all jokes aside, to kind of minimize this stuff even getting into your life. When it does get into your life, go through Simon's checklist. Go, wait a minute. Am I in fear? Big red flag. Is this to make me fearful? Another thing I would ask immediately alongside with the does this make me fearful is actually, does this affect me? Does this affect me? Does this affect my family? Because if no, then all of the other steps might not be necessary to you, unless it's something that's disturbed you or particularly piqued your interest. If it doesn't affect you or your family directly, might be an idea to walk away. Yeah. Because I, I'm talking to people about defending their household. You can only really control what goes on in your household with the people you actually directly live with, your children, your spouse, and trying to get people to focus on controlling the controllables. It's a cliche, but controlling the things that you actually have control over. What can you do about some war in Ukraine? Seriously. Like, even if you're dead against it or dead for it, or I don't even care. What can you do about that? If they do bring conscription back, what can you do about that? You know, you might have to start thinking about emigrating or there might be something you can do to avoid your children uh, being drafted into some sort of national service nonsense, whatever. But I think it's really important to, to differentiate between the things that could have an impact on you and your family and things that absolutely could not anyway. I don't see what you can do about an alien invasion or a war in Ukraine or, you know, I think a lot of the time we need to learn to kind of inhibit our instincts to feel fear and to go, wait a second, hang on a minute, this doesn't affect me. You're not being selfish, you've been lied to. You've been told that if you don't care about these things, in inverted commas, that you're selfish. You're not selfish, you're intelligent. You're spending your energy on the things that you can actually do something about, as opposed to wasting your energy and your emotional energy on things that you actually have no bearing on, even if you want to, right? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right there, Sarah. And the only caveat I would add to that is that if you're at the stage where you haven't spotted the template yet, then you do need to keep looking. After you've looked hard enough to spot the template, then if you don't spot the template, then you could accidentally inject yourself with shot or whatever's coming next, right? So you do need to watch out for the template. But once you've seen the template, you then don't need to keep analysing every single one of these things. You only just take your eye off it entirely. You might find yourself kind of sinking back into even the bullshit again i suppose so maybe it's a good idea once in a while to look one but you don't need to sit there rigorously analyzing every single stupid pack of lies that comes on the tv certainly not for a quarter of a century no because i I think you're going to end up doing yourself (laughs) some serious harm like that unless of course you're somehow superhuman you have the ability to divorce yourself from it i feel i think it's as you said you're wasting your time you could be doing something nicer like going to the beach or something or learn Latin so that you can read all of the old texts that they don't want us to read. Yeah. Find out, you know, real information, all of that good stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. And you're, you're right, of course, you have to spot the template. Otherwise, you could be, you and your, yours could be in danger. Yeah, and I think you need to remind yourself, and again as well. So a lot of people say you don't need to look at all. I think a little bit of it is okay. I think, a little, you know, halfway house sort of thing. 
otherwise you might just might forget or you might they might come up with a new way of applying the template and you might get taken in by it i suppose yeah perhaps but yeah in moderation definitely it was your advice that I, you went through a period of stopping looking altogether and i'm actually rather enjoying things more that i don't invest copious amounts of time in these things yeah same here but yeah and also i i have a my going in position is well probably it's fake if i've heard about it at all it's probably fake because you know if it's managed to get enough attention in this world that's not for no reason you know i, I can't get attention and i'm bringing really valuable things to parents and their children I, how do i know because they tell me and they show me their work right? And yet I find it very, very difficult to break through and, and draw attention to important things, even things that affect sheeple, like the GCSE exam scam. You know, you, you might get seven or 800 people view one of your videos on it, but that's about it. It's not very many, given how many people this affects in, in the UK every single year. It affects over three quarters of a million people. It's a scam? Oh yeah, the GCSE grades are a scam. You've not seen my video, Simon, I'll send it to you. Oh, no. It's an absolute shambles and it is a scam. The grading of them is a scam, or the whole thing. But the whole thing. If you look at the questions from like the papers in the 1940s compared with the papers today, oh yeah, it's a joke. They're just not comparable. The dumbing down, the the social engineering is so self evident. Yeah, it's shocking. So yeah, I, I find that extremely frustrating. So I tend to assume, thanks to you, really, that if I've heard about it because it's come through the the ether, it's come through, you know, I don't know, some of the video platforms, or it's been on someone's emailed me about some world event or something. I'm like, yeah, but why did you hear about that? If I open my door and I can't hear it or see it. <laughs> That's when you need to worry. How, how much could I do about it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll worry about it when I can hear or see the problem because I don't think there's anything I can do about something that's happened effectively only on Facebook. Yeah, I'm with you. A lot of these things are only happening on social media, aren't they? Yeah. If you're not on social media, you are, is that stuff happening? Is it? Is it a big deal or is it a storm in a teacup? Are we actually already sucked into virtual world? Are we already participating too much inside a virtual reality, taking our news and the happenings that go on in the world apparently from social media? What's the next big sceptic away, do you think, using your crystal ball? Oh, I don't know. I used, I'd have been up for this about a year ago, but I, I've really got into your kind of sort of more laissez-faire, I don't care. You know, it's, it's going to be a fake, isn't it? So it'll just be another terrorism pie or whatever. I think they're probably going to do so. I'd be surprised if we didn't get some sort of cyber nonsense because they're desperate for digital IDs, which are effectively already here anyway, really, if you look at it. But I think they really want to sell the idea of a digital ID. So perhaps some sort of cyber warfare blamed on the Russians, no doubt. I think that might be a, a hot one for this year. I think the fake alien invasions on the back burner, though, I'm sorry to say. I was looking forward to that. That's my favourite. Fake aliens, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> I love that meme of the actors that are all dressed in their fake alien suits with like the head off. They're yeah. like having a fag waiting and they're like, oh, I thought it was our turn next. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they never get a turn, do they? These poor um, alien fakes. That's yeah. a, it's a great shame because that would be interesting. But um, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to get some sort of boring cyber online crime yeah. nonsense. Oh, well. Unfortunately, I, I don't, yeah, sorry to disappoint. Better not leave people on a downer. Um, Simon, what can we tell them? One last closing thought. One last closing thought, I think, is give yourself enough information to spot the template. A little top up now and again, but mostly stay well clear of it. Good advice. Stay well clear. Concentrate on educating your children and educate them to do the same. And in some ways, take those brilliant questions that children ask. 
and remind ourselves of the questions we should be asking. Because often the children ask those questions, don't they? They ask the right questions and we ask the wrong ones, I think. Yeah, I think a lot can be learned from them because they haven't had the 50-odd years of brainwashing and mind control. They're just pure entities who can act through their own consciousness. So if they're asking the right questions, there's no reason why you can't do the same. I love it. If they're asking the right questions, there's no reason why you cannot do the same. Simon Day, thank you very, very much indeed for your time. I have really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure our listeners will too. You can get a copy of the book that Simon co-authored with Joanna Mandelier, The TV Delusion. I will leave the link in the description because you don't want to buy it from Amazon because all Amazon do is steal the money and delete the reviews that people who have actually read the book have written. I know because they deleted mine. And I read that book like three or four times and they deleted my review. I'm very annoyed. So don't buy it off Amazon if you do want a copy of Simon and Joe's book then uh, I will leave links to that in the description. Finally, your children can either be educated or they can be schooled. And these things are mutually exclusive. So choose carefully. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sarah. It's been a pleasure once again. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination. 